Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey Podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We're also proud members of the Biblical and Reformed Network. Today is episode 22. Join us as we discuss spiritual zombies. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, spiritual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians five sixteen through 25. Well, hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. I'm Andrew. And I'm Matt. Today's going to be interesting. Yeah. Spiritual zombies. Spiritual zombies. I don't want to give anything away yet. It's going to be a uh, a discussion. Yeah. Because it, it's a melting pot of things that have been going on in my head this week. Yeah. Could so. be, could be. A little raw, but, well, maybe not. I mean, you've thought them through. Kind I've thought of. them sort of through. Yeah. So. It's, I don't know. Like, it'll we'll, be like, we'll talk it'll about be it. like medium rare. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's true. So. Andrew. Yes. I need something from you. Okay. What is that that you need from me? I need you to affirm something and deny something for me today. Well, I will affirm the progress that we have made on our house. So, if I haven't mentioned it, we bought a house and we closed on it on this past Tuesday. In fact, I haven't mentioned it because we hadn't closed on it until this past Tuesday. That's true. We bought a house. We closed on it on Tuesday. And so... You look different today. I do? Yeah, you look like a homeowner. (laughs) Oh, good. Yeah. Good. I'm trying my best. Um, so that means that it was like a celebration, but then all of a sudden we were like, oh man, we got a lot to do, you know? So, um, we basically have two, two weeks that we can, you know, get everything ready and good to go and then move in. And so we're, you know, coming to an end of week one (laughs) Yeah, and uh, I'm like running around like crazy getting all these things set up and ready to go. Um, 
but it's been good. Yesterday we had a yard day and made a lot of progress. Matt came out, my dad came out, and uh, it really looks a lot better. It looked like Jurassic Park. Um, it was actually pretty impressive, the assortment of human-sized weeds that you had in the backyard. It was crazy, the stuff that was growing the back there. The guy that lived there before you just did nothing. He For just years. let it grow. It had to take years. Yeah. There were wild strawberries back there. You had grass growing into the street, down the curb into the street. <laughs> it was crazy. It was something else, but we tackled it yesterday, collectively. And uh, So how does owning your own home feel different than residing in an apartment? Well, for one, I think... Yesterday is when I first realized, like, everything going on with this house is something that I need to deal with. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I've never had to, right. you know, think about that. Every yeah. time, any place, anywhere I go, I'm like, okay, this place has got something going on with it. But, you know, yeah. it's, 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 gotta do, someone's got to deal yeah. with that. Well, this time I was like, ooh, <laughs> I got to deal with that. There's a lot that you got to learn. <laughs> right. So, um, like today, you get to change out doorknobs. You got to change out doorknobs. Yeah, it'll. It, it's. It's been. That's probably been the biggest thing. Is like yesterday, you learned how to wind the string on a weed eater. I did. I looked it up on YouTube yeah. for years. Yeah, I was like, man. Yeah, YouTube will be your friend for the yeah. next year. Yeah, there's gonna be stuff. You're just like, how do I do this? Yeah. So this we. Somebody will teach you on YouTube. We got to paint the inside. We got to clean someone we're getting people to come and clean because it was just this house was like it's a it's a cute house but it just got let go i mean for like two years three years probably it's frumpy it's cute but frumpy frumpy which means a makeover can make it right beautiful again yeah so we're trying to get all like a lot of that makeover stuff done before we move in and that's the stressful part so you're gonna um, learn how to be a professional painter yeah that's fun yeah we've painted every house we've ever been in i hate painting <laughs> but i hate so, more paying somebody to do yeah. it so <laughs> i do I was it. gonna say so you you painted every one <laughs> yeah yep well that's cool yep i'm excited for you guys thanks deny something for me then all right um i would say what i would deny is my, uh, <laughs> I guess, level of stress. So in situations like this, I get really, like, type A. I'm not a type A person, like, at all. Mm-hmm. But in certain situations, like on Sunday mornings, for example, well, Sunday all day, right? All day on Sunday, me being a worship leader, I'm running around doing stuff. Everything is, I'm getting everything ready. I'm, you know, uh, making sure that everything runs smooth throughout the whole service. We have two services on, one on Sunday morning, one on Sunday night. So, and then I've got choir practice in between and like everything is just, so on Sundays, I like lock in and just have tunnel vision almost, you know? And I was that I've been that way all my life in certain situations. When I played baseball, I was that way. And so like I feel like I'm doing that right now with this house. And it's causing uh 
me to be super not I wouldn't say anxious, but just stress to the point where like I'm just tired all the time this week. Yeah. <laughs> and next week, not necessarily because I'm doing I mean I am doing a lot, but like it's not that I'm doing so much that I'm wearing myself out. It's that I'm just always thinking about what needs to happen, you know? Yeah. And what I need to do and it just wears down my brain. And so I would say I need to get better at that. Um, well, I think that's, it's a new house. Right. Everybody faces that. You'll settle in. Anything new, people yeah. don't do well with change. Right. And so when you're forced to have to change, it it's a an adjustment. Mm -hmm. But then you get settled into that. Yeah. So, so as a result, I get a little bit stressed about stuff that I shouldn't. And so that's what I would deny is my, uh, my sin in that area. I think you it's a good thing. It. I think it's a good thing to, to lock in on stuff from time, you know. Right. But like uh, when it starts to, you know, make you anxious, then it's, it's kind of starting to get into a sinful area. So that's what I'd deny. Cool. I like it. Um, so I'm going to affirm a quote that I heard today, and the quote is by Alexander McLaren. He was a Scottish pastor in the 1800s, and his quote is this, one soul all on flame has power to kindle others. I like it. Um, I feel like we did a podcast episode on something like that. We have. We've talked about that. But I want to, and I, I, I am seeing and want to see more souls all on flame. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I heard that. It resonated with me. I affirm that quote and desire to see more souls setting other souls aflame with the gospel mm -hmm. because the gospel is contagious and our culture is sir fertile soil mm -hmm. for the gospel right now so with that um my denial i don't know i guess i'm going to deny fear and people trying to profit off of fear. Hmm. I've been seeing a lot of that too. Whether it's YouTubers or like preppers trying to sell people stuff. Or governments trying to profit off of fear. Whether that's with power or financially. Um, so... As Christians, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of confidence and sound mind. And I think as Christians, we need to be setting the example of not being fearful and then also not profiting off of fear. Because I don't think it's just a Democratic thing. I think it's a Democrat and Republican. I think it's a personal sin thing. People mm -hmm. see people that are scared and want to control that or make money off of that. Um, hence the 
toilet paper crisis of 2020. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, that's my denial is people being easily given to fear and then people trying to proper prosper off of that. Yeah. So, all right. We talked about, not last week, maybe the week before, we talked about horror movies mm-hmm. and how they are related to culture. And so today, Spiritual Zombies is the title of this. And this is something that I've been working through uh, for about a week, I guess. I've just been kind of thinking through all of this. But I want to look at the statement that we do what we desire, and then I want to kind of talk about how do we change our desire. So prime example, when I am at home and we have three boys, all seven or younger, and when I'm at home and I see a huge pile of laundry and I see the dishes that are full and I see all that stuff, um, my desire is not to just go and be cleaning up. My mm-hmm. desire is to do something that I find enjoyable. You know, I heard somebody else talking about that. I actually, I think it was three or seven podcast. Uh, he was kind of talking about that, but I think all of us our our tendency is to do what's comfortable, what we enjoy, what we desire, not to do hard things that are needed. So like you with your house is a good example. Um, I'm sure the prospect of moving and having to paint and all of that is not desirable to you, Mm -hmm. but you're going to do it all because living in your new house is more desirable than paying to live in your apartment and have the house. Yeah. Um, so ultimately we do what we desire most. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I just wanted to kind of talk about all of this. I don't really know how it's going to come out today in the format because I've not structured it enough to think through it. But the passage that you read in Galatians, it tells us the works of the flesh, and then it also gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But the first part of what it says, and I'm going to pull it up real quick, it says... I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposite to each other, so that you don't do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then it gives us the work of the flesh, and then it uh, contrasts that to the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is is produced by the Spirit, the works of the flesh are produced by the flesh. Our natural desire is to do the works of the flesh, to do what is self-gratifying, to do what is uh, ultimately self-idolatrous, right? We worship ourselves and we want to do what we want to do, which makes us lazy and it makes us selfish and it makes us, you know, conceited and all that stuff, right? Um, And so how do we change our desire? How do we make ourselves not be so self-centered? So 
I don't know, some just some kind of things that I've been thinking through is like looking at desire and what is desire? Where does it come from? Looking at the last fruit of the spirit is self-control. And how does that play into it? Because if you look at our culture today, one of the things that you cannot use to define our culture is self-controlled. We're taught that you can just kind of do what you want to do. And if you desire to do something, there should be no limitations on that. Mm -hmm. Um, So a good example is if I am swimming and not winning, then I can decide that I want to be a female and compete with females. And then I can crush the competition because that is my ultimate desire. And so I can act out on that. Um, and so I did, I don't know what, what are your thoughts on our culture and how we view desire and doing what you want to do? Well, I think that desire and doing what you want to do is the primary means of worship in our culture because we worship ourselves. And so yeah, in worshiping ourselves, that's what that's how that plays out is it's I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to be who I want to be. I'm going to um, do whatever it takes to get myself to the place where I can um be living out whatever my desires are. And I think the culture by and large affirms that. Yeah. And so as a result, you've got this weak culture because you can't do that. You can't say, you know, that I can, you can, that I can just live out my desires and whatnot and actually successfully live in God's world. Right. Because ultimately what does it take even in a secular mindset to be successful, to attain enough power that you can actually impact anything? Well, you've got to be disciplined. You've got to work. You've got to right. do these things. If you don't, you're just not going to succeed, you yeah. know? And so, and that's a secular mindset. Well, I was going to say right? that was... So it, it's contradicting itself. When I was in basic training, one of the several of the core things that they taught us um, was honor and discipline and Mm -hmm. all of that, you know? And so honor would be being disciplined even when nobody's watching, doing the right thing when nobody's watching is how they would define honor. And then discipline is just being able to will yourself to do what is right or what you need to be doing. Mm -hmm. So like in basic training, everybody did everything that needed to be done, even though that was not what we ultimately desired to do, that's what we had to do um, because we were held accountable for that. And so how does this transition then into our culture and what the Bible says? Because self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And um, I think before we get to that, though, the title spiritual zombie mm-hmm. kind of explain where that comes from when we're reading galatians it's telling us that the flesh and the spirit are at war against each other and the spirit cannot produce works of the flesh and the flesh cannot produce works of the spirit they're they're separated and so when you look at the story of zombies you've got these living dead creatures that can't help 
but eat people. And if you were to go to a zombie, some of the movies, they even kind of portray that where guy's wife turns into a zombie or their kid turns into a zombie and they keep it locked up and they try to find a cure to, mm-hmm. to help fix the zombieism of the mm-hmm. person and, uh, and find the antidote to bring them back to humanity. But ultimately that person ends up getting out and killing them or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would say there's a biblical principle at root uh, or in play there. And that biblical principle is when sin is fully matured, it always produces death. And so we are spiritually dead by nature. We're born into sin spiritually dead. We are these living zombies. We're the walking dead. We are people that are alive on this earth, but spiritually we're dead. And we desire the works of the flesh. That's what we desire. So that's what we do. We do the works of the flesh. We gratify ourselves. If you look at our culture, it's these spiritual zombies that are pushing that everybody should do and act and live like they're spiritually dead and they should have no remorse and there should be no such thing as conviction and there should be no such thing as hate speech of telling somebody that what they desire to do is wrong. And, and so, um, then with that, you get into a whole different discussion of you've got the gaming industry mm-hmm. that you've got kids that they spend their whole life at school and then on these games, whether it's on a computer or a console or even the head thingamajiggers now. In VR. Yeah, virtual yeah. reality. Um, and all of their friend group and all of their things that they accomplish in life are through a video game. And, um, and so it's just breeding laziness. It's breeding um, people feeding their desire. And I would say, too, the more that you feed your own desire, the more that desire grows, which is why you see people that reach the pinnacle of success – in our world and they are starving for more Mm -hmm. or they reach a pinnacle of power and they're starving for more or, um, you know, who was the guy that, um, I don't remember early 1900s, uh, a millionaire was dying and and they asked him, you know, you've made a million dollars. You're, you know, one of the richest people in, in America what are your thoughts on your deathbed? He said, I wish I'd have made one more dollar, Mm. you know? Yeah. And so, um, because when we feed self desire, it's this bottomless pit that can't be filled. Mm -hmm. So all of that to say that what Paul's telling us in Galatians is that you cannot make a zombie not want to eat people because that's what zombies do. Uh, A zombie is a living dead person that eats people and the works of the flesh produce spiritual zombies our culture has produced spiritual zombies our culture is pushing for spiritual zombies how do we then breathe life into all of these spiritually dead and those who believe in the gospel 
and are justified, which means to be made right by, you know, justified means to be made right. Uh, by faith alone, the Holy Spirit becomes the decisive cause of self-control is kind of my argument in that. Right. So how do we get the Spirit to produce fruit in our life? Well, ultimately, I mean, we have to abide in Christ. Um, so um, Scripture says, Jesus says that, if you abide in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So as far as bearing fruit goes, we've got to realize that we are not the ones who produce the fruit. Um, the Holy Spirit is the one who produces the fruit. Um, we Now, with that being said, we have to be transformed by the gospel, right? Yeah. Ultimately... If we're not transformed by the gospel, and I think you you have a lot of Christians in this situation where maybe they haven't been transformed by the gospel, they still have a heart of stone, and but they're in church, and they're thinking, okay, well, I'm not bearing fruit as... Because bearing fruit's actually become a pretty popular term now. I think right. a lot of non-Christians know what that means, you know? Mm -hmm. Um I'm not bearing fruit. I need to bear fruit in order to be saved, right? Yeah. And um, I think that ultimately, when we are transformed by the gospel, then our nature changes. You know, we are a new creation. We have a heart right. of flesh. And so therefore, that in itself changes our desires because all of a sudden we have the Holy Spirit in us who is molding us and shaping us. Now, we will still struggle with sin, but ultimately, we're going to hate our sin. So when we are wrestling with our sin, we no longer love it. I think one of the things that has made me kind of realize this has been going through um, the account of Jesus' resurrection the past couple weeks. Yeah. Um, so when Jesus was resurrected from the grave, um, the guards went and told the Sanhedrin, or the leaders, I guess, the Jewish leaders, what had happened. So they went to them and they said, look, we were there. The angel came and, and rolled away the stone, and Jesus was not inside. <laughs> right. We saw it with our eyes, you know? Yeah. And they said, the Jewish leaders said, we will pay you <laughs> to say that this man's body was stolen. Yeah. Okay, they have just heard the truth. You know, they have heard what happened, the to the actual account. And so what you see here is not necessarily a, um, like, them saying, well, you're not telling the truth. They didn't ever say you're not telling the they truth. They didn't care about the they truth. They didn't care about it right. because they their hearts were so, they were a heart of stone. They were against yeah. that. So their nature was completely against the Lord. And so um, and so ultimately, I think that's one of the biggest things is letting, if, if we are, so like, and it's tough because I think about the struggling believer, right? So like I've been in this boat where I questioned my salvation for a while. Um, I was, because I was saved when I was young and I was baptized when I was young. And so like, you know, for the longest time, I, you know, uh, 
I wrestled with it because I was like, did I understand what I was doing? Right. Did I know? But as I look back, the reality is from that point on, I hated my sin. As a kid, I hated my sin. Whenever I sinned, I knew it. I felt it. I hated it. I wanted to have right. nothing to do with it. And ultimately, those who are not in Christ love it. Yeah. Basically, I've heard it said before, if the gates of hell were opened, no one would come out because that meant that you had to, that you had to, that Jesus was your Lord, right? right. Yeah. People don't want that, you know? What you're saying is the next passage that I was going to read, and so I'm just going to read it real quick, and then we mm-hmm. continue to talk about it. But Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 12, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more so in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure, children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. And so what Paul is saying there is that we, as those who have been transformed by Christ and his work on the cross, those of us who have been given this heart of flesh that's now living and beating, Mm -hmm. um, those of us who have been spiritually dead and are now raised to life, control your sins and your lusts for the Spirit is controlling them through you. Mm -hmm. So God is controlling them through us and he is changing our desires. He's the one that he's taken that desire that has been controlled by the flesh, and he's now giving us a desire being controlled by the spirit. And as we're in the word, it's transforming our mind, which is Romans 12, be not conformed to this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. That happens by our time spent with Christ in the word on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. And so as we read the word, we're being transformed in our mind and our desires, and we're acting on what we desire most, which is now new because we are a new creation. We're no longer the zombie walking around looking for people to eat, but now we're feeding from the bread of life and drinking from the river of living water. Right. And Christ is doing all of that through his spirit inside of us. Yeah. So I... uh but I think this is a big deal. I think it's a big deal in our culture. Uh, we are, uh, as I've said, a culture built on self-gratification and all of that. So, all right, what are your thoughts on this? What is the natural state of man? And by natural state, I mean what were we created to do? Were we created for work or were we created for play or leisure? Um. I'd say we were created for work. Okay. If you were going to ask that to the average person in our generation, would they answer the same? I would say they would answer. Or let me ask you. It depends on. (laughs) Would they desire to work more or for leisure more? I think our generation would say leisure. So, like, my generation, probably your generation, too, would say leisure. Yeah. However, I think that 
maybe the generation before, so like maybe like the baby boomer generation did have a, they wanted to work a lot, but it was because they wanted prestige and money. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, in that generation, I think you have a lot of hard workers, but then you, you're like, okay, what are you working for? Right. A lot of times it's because I want to go and retire at this place, you know, and that's my dream for life. And so I'm going to work my butt off to get there, you know? Right. Um, I, and, and our generation, I don't really see that much as much. I don't really see that as much in people your age too. Um, but that's one thing I did. That's the one caveat, I guess, that I did right. see in like the baby boomer type generation. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think if you look at most people today, there's more of a, I have to work so that I can play. Right. Um, well, yeah. And then that would apply to what, or know. even I'm going to work for retirement right? or I'm going to do this or that, you know, but when you look at the garden, working and tending to the garden was a part of God's good and natural order. Mm -hmm. Um, work was not a byproduct of the fall. Now thorns and thistles and sweat of the brow that was, right. but the, the actual desire to work and the garden is the first, not the first heaven, but it's our, it's the first time that mankind is in the presence of God and, part of him there was working. Mm -hmm. And so I would say in heaven, there will be working. Working is a good thing. Right. We were created to work. And if you look at how God set it up, the natural order is you work six days and then on the seventh day you rest. That's the Lord's day. That's a time for rest. But six other days you're working. Mm -hmm. uh, California has just proposed a law for the state and a lot of the... Um, there's some Democrats that are trying to to take this and make it uh, a, a national law now, but they're trying to propose that any business over 500 employees should now have a four day work week, but still pay them the exact same as a five day work week. And so it's foolishness. So you would yes, you would do no that's gonna work. four days worth of work, yeah. but you still pay them like you're paying them. So it's now. Um, basic economic problem. it's like 32 hours and then over yeah. that you got to pay time and a half yeah um but they're saying that that will make them work harder for the time that they're there and this and that there's different things for that but that's just kind of what i'm talking about right you know? god created us to be working and so like if you look at work and let's look at the history of work and and kind of tying this into self-control most people today do not desire to do hard work. They don't want to do things that push them. They want to do things that are easy. So they want to make money. And that's why we have pyramid schemes. Mm -hmm. People want to do, they want to make money fast so that they can retire. There's the quick. And live this nice, luxurious yeah. life where I don't have to work and I can pay people to work for me. Mm -hmm. But as Christians, I'm not saying that we can't make money. Mm -hmm. um, God blessed a lot of people with money. If you look in scripture, a lot of people were blessed with financial gain because of the Lord blessing them. So that's not what I'm talking about. 
what I'm talking about is this desire to work, this desire to do things that are uncomfortable, this desire to do things that I might not want to do in my flesh, but it's actually good for me. So as Christians, we should have that desire to work hard and be hardworking, and we should be instilling those principles in our children. Because if you look at the history of work, it started with the family worked together. Mm -hmm. They would be farmers or they would be shepherds or they would be fishermen or they would be this and that. And all of the family was working together. So if, if you had a farm, all of the family, the kids had chores, the kids had jobs, the kids had things that they were doing. The wife had a job and a chores that she had to do and roles in the farm the husband had roles and things like that. And mm-hmm. and their family is producing this business. Uh, then things got a little bit different and you started having specific trades where this family, this is the blacksmith and he's training his son to follow up in doing that. But then this person over here is whatever it is. You know what I mean? You have different trades. Um, you don't have this family that's just doing everything, but you have this person that's doing a specific thing. And then the whole town, everybody's got a blacksmith. Everybody's got a cobbler. Everybody's got this. Everybody's Mm -hmm. got that. They got the general store. They got all that stuff, but that still stayed pretty family centered. The kids would help work. And then the kids would also, uh, learn that trade and then take that over. Uh, After that, in the industrial age, you started having these, manufacturing companies and men started going there to work and then coming home. Um, and so even just looking at that, like as Christians, how should we view that? Uh, it it changed from going to the factory to work and the mother would stay home with the children. And then when the dad came home, he was invested in the kids and all of that. Um, nowadays though, it went from that to corporate business mm-hmm. and and now there's a lot of online and a lot of people can work from home work from online that kind of thing so how do we as christians have a good biblical work ethic within the culture that we're in well i would say that we've got to realize that i mean yeah we were created for work which means that as we are growing in Christ, the more we are going to enjoy work. Or mm-hmm. also, the more we are... Because there are things that no one's going to enjoy. <laughs> right. I mean, like, you're just not... Well, even know, in that, though, that doesn't mean that we weren't created to do them. Right. You know? Right. Well, and, and like, what? I, and so as we grow in Christ, though, I think that we will push through that. Yeah, and still do it and still enjoy the fact that we did it, even if it's something that's just really hard to yeah. enjoy while you're doing it, you know, but well, so like I yesterday think, we were talking about roofing, right? And we were watching the guy, the house next year is when we were doing the yard work, they were put on a roof and they roofed the whole house, you know, in the same time it took us to get your yard <laughs> cut. <laughs> right. But <laughs> we were talking like yeah. when I did framing for, six months um i despised having to lay do the roof Mm -hmm. on the framing you know 
taking the the plywood up there and nailing it down and all that. I, I was not good at that. But there was guys that they had been doing that for years and years, and they made it look like right. there's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. you know. And so when I was doing framing, the first month and a half, every night I went home busted and broken and just mm-hmm. wore out, and I was like, oh, this is tough. Mm-hmm. But then as you do it, your body adapts, and, and those guys, that was – what they did for work every single day right you know and they didn't mind it right yeah they enjoyed it yeah because they they could look at the end of the day and see what they had produced right you know there was nothing now there's walls Mm -hmm. you know and so i guess we me as a dad i'm trying to think of how do i foster a biblical worth work ethic into my kids and I mean, we've had it where when we have a yard day and we're out in the yard and I have the boys helping and they're pulling weeds and I have them picking up sticks and then we throw them all into the fire and we make a fire and burn them or, the, you know, they help me ride on the riding lawnmower and cut the grass or whatever it is. Elijah always he'll at some point in that day, man, dad, I really love hard work. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. I'm mm-hmm. like, well, good. That's how God made us. You know? Yeah. We should desire to enjoy hard work. And I think some ways that we can do that is we push ourselves past our comfort zone, mm-hmm. um, even in helping other people. So there's always going to be people in our church that can't do physical labor. And and instead of it being like pulling teeth to get people to help them, um, I mean, that's something we could look at, mm-hmm. you know, getting people more involved with that. But... I don't know. Yeah, that's just, I don't know how we got down this rabbit trail of work (laughs) with this. But that is something that people don't like to do, Mm -hmm. but that we were created to do. And so people don't desire it because it's hard. And so they just do what they desire. Right. But going back to desire, I guess how, and we've kind of talked about it. But recap it for me. How do we change our desire? Well, we have to be transformed by the gospel. Okay. Um, so I'm a zombie, mm-hmm. and I'm living, but I'm dead, and all I want to do is eat people. Mm-hmm. How do I go from that to not wanting to eat people anymore and be living? I want to be a real boy. <laughs> <laughs> what do I do? Well, uh, actual zombie would have to be you know, injected with some sort of serum. All right, so spiritually. Spiritually, I'm a that spiritual would look like... That's a metaphor. You've got to have your heart of stone transformed into a heart of flesh. And that comes through the gospel. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. And I think today we've got too many people who are just comfortable with um, being friendly to zombies. And I'm not saying that you can't. I'm, I'm, I'm saying, like, that's what we should be doing. We should be kind. We should be loving. And we can be friends with people. But, like, that, the friendship is not necessarily what saves them. Now, you can, the Lord can use that. Because as you get to know people, and then you share the gospel with them. But ultimately, the gospel's got to be shared. You know what I mean? Right. Um, not saying to not invest in relationships. Invest. We, we need to be investing in our relationships with people because ultimately 
the Lord can use that to help them see <laughs> what right. you're saying when you share the gospel, you know? Yeah. But I think we've kind of crossed a little bit of a line a little bit in some areas of evangelicalism where we think of, um, you know, evangelism or our evangelistic life as just, okay, I don't need to necessarily share the gospel. It's not really that important. The Lord will use me in their life by just being me in order to right. bring them to himself. Well, and you know Paul what I mean? said, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Right. That is it. Right. You know? Um, all right, so in all of my thinking— I've come up with this sentence. I'm going to tell it to you, and then you give me your thoughts on it. Mm -hmm. So the Spirit produces in us self-action to control self-action contrary to self-desire. So the Spirit produces in us self-action to control self-action contrary to self-desire. Yeah, well, I would say that yeah, I mean, the Spirit produces in us um, things that we need in order to actually take the steps that we need to take to combat our fleshly desires. Because there are things that you've got to do, but ultimately, right. what causes you to do these things? So, like, if I am... So, if someone is, is like, struggling with a porn, a porn addiction, right... They're going to have to take intentional steps to combat that. Right. You know, they're going to have to nip it in the bud. Right. Jesus yeah. says that it is better to enter into heaven without your right hand than for your whole body to be thrown into the fire of hell. Right. Or one eye. Or one eye. And what he's saying is, is if you've got something going on like that, you need cut to cut it off. Cut it off. You know, and that's something that needs to be actually done <laughs> you know? right. uh, um, we're not saying that if you are struggling with sin you just need to hang tight and wait for the lord to you know uh all of a sudden change your mind about it you know you yeah I well, mean, I, the lord think, does change your mind about it but ultimately that comes through action and i think you know? that's what philippians 2 is saying yeah is Work out your own salvation in fear and trembling, for it is not you who works, but Christ working right. in you. That's right. And so God works through us to sanctify us. The Holy Spirit is working, and he is working, appearing in our actions. Right. Um, the fact that we are producing spiritual fruit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Those are things that the flesh cannot produce. Mm -hmm. And when we see ourselves doing those things, it's not us that is the originator of those things, but it is the Holy Spirit producing that fruit in our life. Right. Well, but that comes out in our action, right. in our desire. Well, and, and one example would be, you know, we we talk to the youth a lot. We talk to the college a lot. Well, <laughs> there's no one in college, actually, in my college group. <laughs> well, there's one or two. Most everybody's not actually in college, but so it's kind of funny. But I talk to them a lot of we've got to be in the Word, right? We have got to be in the Word because 
man should not eat by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. And ultimately, as we gain knowledge about Christ, we're going to love him more. We're going to grow exponentially the more that we study the word. But ultimately, you've got to you got to prioritize it. You've got to make time for it. You've got to be in it. And that is something that's you've got to do. But at the end of the day, who gives you the desire to do that? Who gives you the desire to want to be in the word? Who gives you whenever you're not in the word a longing and saying, "Man, I wish I'd have <laughs> I wish I'd have right. read scripture today." You know what I mean? Um well, that's the Lord. Yeah. Like, we can't produce that because apart from him, we can do nothing. We are dead, you know? Right. So all of that comes from the Lord, but it manifests itself in your prioritizing of reading scripture. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right, so let's wrap up our analogy then. Yeah. Let's package it up. You've got the zombie walking around in the big horde of all the zombies mm-hmm. just looking for people to eat so sin is the curse Mm -hmm. sin is what is caused death in us and so we're these living dead things because of sin we're all born into sin and we're all stumbling through life looking to consume anything that brings us self-joy and self-gratification right we're all worshiping self the middle of sin is i and we're all these spiritual zombies walking around And the antidote that takes these living dead creatures and produces life in them that takes their heart of death and stone and gives them this living, breathing heart is the gospel. The gospel is the antidote. And the gospel is the power of God into salvation. So those that get the antidote are just like Lazarus. They're dead in the tomb. They stinketh. And God calls them out of the state that they're in to come forth, Mm -hmm. right? So for that to happen, life is introduced and the ability to hear is introduced. And it's this effectual call to obey the commandment to come forth. Um. And and in that moment, we are transformed from the spiritual zombie to now a co-heir with Christ. Mm-hmm. We've been baptized with him. We've defeated death, sin, and the grave, not because of our righteousness, but because of his works and righteousness. And he takes us and makes us this new creation. We're no longer a spiritual zombie, but now we are children of the king. Mm-hmm. We are this new creation and we are now more than conquerors. And then he desires to use us to continue to spread the cure to the other spiritual zombies. Mm -hmm. So if you have heard this episode today and you battle any of the stuff that we've been talking about, whether it's um, self-control, you suffer with self-control, Um, your desires are for the works of the flesh. Um, you are lazy and a person of leisure and you despise hard work. You have no honor, which means alone in the dark, you do things that you would not do 
around others in the light. Um, if that is you, my call and the whole purpose of this is to cry out to the Lord, to seek after him, to get in the word and allow him not to conform you to the image of this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Because that's what Paul is saying. Um, when he tells them, he says, therefore, my dear friends, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more so in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is working in you both to will and to work according to his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God who are faultless in a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine like stars in the world by holding firm to the word of life. And so our call is to be stars shining in the world. And when we do that, it goes back to my affirmation. One soul, all on flame, has power to kindle others. And so I think it kind of all ties in pretty well in that, where the works of the flesh produce death. Sin, when it is fully matured, produces death. If we are living by the works of the flesh, which means our desires are set on the works of the flesh. Paul told us in the passage that you read that nobody's going to go to heaven who are living and producing and desiring the works of the flesh. The spirit produces the fruit of the spirit. And those of us whose minds have been transformed by the renewing of the word and are not being conformed to the image of this world, those of us who are shining like stars amongst the perverse generation and not just falling into the flow of being lazy and gluttons and people who just are worshiping self and all they want to do is have themselves first. Um, you know, but, but the Lord's changed our desire. He's changed our self-control. He's given us this desire to work hard and to serve him and to leave a legacy for those behind us. Like that stuff doesn't just happen. Mm -hmm. You know, we're called to build our house on the rock, but the emphasis is one, we need to know where we're building it. It's got to be on the rock, but then we have to build the house, mm -hmm. you know, and that takes work and that takes self-control and that takes us seeking after him. So uh, if you struggle with that, seek after him with all of your heart and be ye not conformed to the image of this world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yep. Well, if you are still here, we love you guys. I uh, hope today was not too much of a, a spider web trying to follow everything, but um, kind of helped me just kind of working through trying to figure this all, not figure it out in that this is new stuff that doesn't make sense, but figure it out in tying it all together into a concise package. Yeah. So. All right. Y'all have a good Lord's Day, and we will see you next week. That we will. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.